Potters, and welcome to Clay at Our Core, the only pottery podcast coming to you from the corner of Montgomery Road and Hudson Avenue in peace-loving Norwood, Ohio. Accept no substitutes. I'm your host, Ann Saker. Before we start today, Potters, I want to draw your attention to a wonderful new bit of synergy here at Clay at Our Core. Alondra Bibros, one of Core Clay's artists in residence, is taking photographs of the good people who appear on the podcast featuring their pottery. She started with Donna Tukel, and up next is our featured artist in today's episode. Be sure to check out Alondra's great photos on all your favorite social media channels. In our episode 24, we are conversing with a real Core Clay stalwart. Mike O'Neill has taught the Monday night beginner wheel throwing class at Core Clay for many years, and he has brought a lot of people to the love of clay. Maybe even you. Mike's pottery is beautiful and functional. And the bonus of having Mike in the studio is his incredible playlist of music to make art by that includes all my favorites, The Grateful Dead, Frank Zappa, you name it. Mike tells a great story that communicates the leveling influence that clay can have. A student was trying and trying to center some clay and getting mighty frustrated. My goodness, we all know that feeling, right? The student turned to Mike and said, but I have a PhD. And Mike said, so do I. The point being, of course, clay doesn't care if you have a college degree. And when you're working with clay, you needn't care either. It's just you and your vessel. Please enjoy this wonderful conversation with Mike O'Neill. So, Mike, as you know, I kind of like to find out a little bit about other people in the studio here. I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about you. Are you a Cincinnati person by birth? No, not at all. Uh, my dad was in the Air Force. Okay. I was born in England. Wow. Came back here when I was a baby, uh, so lived all over the U.S., and then in Germany for a couple of years, and came back to uh, the U.S. to Ohio to Dayton. My dad was stationed at Wright State, uh, Wright Pat. And then I went to Wright State. I was in the Army. Was in Italy for a while. Wow. Then back here, um, and then finished my school and left Ohio. Went to West Virginia. Went to California. Sailed around the world. Holy cow! With semester at sea, uh, and then back to Ohio. So it's been a long. Uh, a long, strange trip, as we mm-hmm. like to say. And uh, w- did you have a particular professional discipline that you were practicing at that time? I work in higher education. I'm okay. an academic advisor. Okay. I worked in residence life for a number of years, and that's how I did. ended up doing Semester at Sea, which was through residence life. Uh, semester at Sea was run out of the University of Virginia. It was literally going around the world in a ship with 700 college students. Wow. Yes. yes. Wow! And wow! Okay, I want to talk. Get back to that because I think okay. that's a really fascinating okay. uh, opportunity for people. Yep. So uh, your discipline is in academic uh, mm-hmm. counseling, uh, advising. Right. Is that is that something you can study or, or prepare yourself for? Yes. You hold I, a doctorate in that, is am, am I? I do. Correct? I have a PhD from Ohio University. Yes. There you go. Uh, so I've been in higher ed for a long time, for about twenty five years. Okay. Like I said, I started in residence life, and then I went to student affairs then academic advising so i worked at wright state in academic advising in the college of math and science advising undergrads and now i work at the university of cincinnati in uh, college of nursing advising graduate nursing students so students working on their masters or a dnp or a phd okay wow yep uh and did you have to develop any 
a nursing specialty in your advising in doing that kind of work? I have no nursing no? background, okay. so right. it was quite a, a learning curve, learning a lot about nursing and the careers. Um, but it's been very interesting, and uh, I enjoy working with those students. Oh, I bet you do. Mm -hmm. So how did you come to Clay? It was very um, fortuitous, I guess, um, is the right word. I Absolutely. just happened to live in Cincinnati in Hyde Park at the time, and I was just a couple blocks from Annie's Mud Pie uh, in Hyde Park. So it was just looking for something to do. So I took a class, and this was probably 97, 98. Oh, wow, okay. So it's been a while. Right. Um, and I just happened, I was pretty good at it. I really enjoyed it. I picked it up right away. So um, that's how I got into it. So I was there for a couple years, and then... Um, Were you teaching at that point? No, you... I was just learning and just a member at that time. Right. And then me and a couple other of the um, other members decided to get our own space. So we rented a space in Pendleton, um, a studio right next to Terry Kern. Okay. So it was very interesting to see Terry Kern work. And then there was another potter who I forget her name. She was also a professional full-time potter who was catty corner to us. So we had two professional potters wow. that we could see working right away. And um, so we did that for a couple of years and I didn't do any shows. It was just the final Fridays right. at that point. Did, did you have a kiln that you shared? We, rent, we bought a kiln and had it there, and then we each had our own wheels, so we had three wheels in the space. Okay. Uh, so it was me, two other people, and we each had our own, you know, niche that we were working on um, so we could watch each other work and then also watch Terry and the other uh, potter as well. And how did you, where did your journey go? I mean, you could, obviously you could have been a sculptor, you could have done lots of things, but you like mm. to do a lot of functional wares, right? Right, I like to do more uh, earthenware and I like to do functional pieces so I do a lot of uh, pots honey pots mugs yeah. and I do transfers so I do my own I make my own silk screens and then I print my own transfers and then put those on the flat wow. surfaces that I make so that involved a big learning curve uh, so I was actually out of pottery for a while so when I lived in California I didn't do pottery for about four or five years then moved back to Cincinnati and wanted to get back into pottery and that's when I came across Core Clay and started Core Clay. And that's when I got into transfers because I really just, I don't like the process of dipping stuff into a bucket and just hoping the glaze <laughs> turns out, you know. But from that's a part of the fun, Mike. Yes, some people find that fun. I don't necessarily enjoy that. So I like to, ha to know what my piece is going to look like before I do that process. So that's why I got into... Uh, the transfer process and somehow some I guess when I got back into pottery I just started googling you know transfer and decal work and that's how I got into that oh, okay. at that time so as long as I've been back at core clay I've been doing the the transfer process so we, I, I want to make sure I, I didn't miss a step here so you were with your some pals in Pendleton and uh -huh. then you went out to California went out to California what were you doing out there that's I was working at Cal State Northridge okay as a uh, in residence life there right and then I did the semester at sea. And then when I got done with the semester at sea, came back to Ohio and was working at Miami and then Wright State and now UC. And when you had no pottery in your mm -hmm. life, did you miss it? Did you? I did yeah. um, because I missed that creative process, but that's also when we had, I had babies. So oh, right. there was a lot of time work with raising babies. So um, I didn't really have time to do the pottery. So it kind of worked out fine I was in California I wasn't part of a 
Potter community or anything, raising kids. Uh, and then when I came back, it was kids were getting older, and it's like I now now I have the time, I want to get back into pottery. So I got back in at Miami with their ceramics program a little bit, and then moving to Cincinnati, and then getting involved in core clay. How did you find core clay? I don't remember. I just remember um, Annie's wasn't around; it had become funky fired, and then and then Queen City Clay at that time. And the thing that attracted me to core was that I could have access at all hours because, you know, you work during the day, you don't get to the studio till five or six, and I'm not going to be done by nine because I like to do production type stuff. I like to make 10 or 20 of something. I don't like doing one-offs, so I need a lot of time. And they give me the opportunity to, to work there, and, you know, I could work late into the night, and it wouldn't be a, an issue. Where I didn't think that existed at uh, Funky Fire or okay. Queen City Clay at right. the time. Yeah. right. So when you came back into it, can, do you remember what it felt like the first time you got back on the wheel? I do, and it was really rough because I had problems with the clay. I was out in Miami, and we had to make our own clay in their big mixers. Wow. And I was, I was tearing clay. I was making pots, and the clay would rip while I was oh, geez. Uh, making my pots. And it was just the technique was off. I thought, oh, the... The, the recipe for the clay is not right, there's something wrong, but it was really me and getting back into the technique because I went to the faculty member with my struggles and he's like, just throw me out some clay and I'll, I'll make something. And of course he did it, no problem. So it was me and my technique and working with the clay again. Interesting, so you had to kind of re almost learn to walk again Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so it took a while to get back into Isn't it. Isn't that interesting? Cause it I is. Think because I think there's, at least I think there's kind of a, you know, get back on the bicycle quality to mm -hmm. pottery, and there is, but you do have to relearn a lot of things if you step away from it for a you while. You do, because I was out for f almost five years, so okay. coming back in was right. a learning process again. Right. So, Mike, I wonder if you could talk to me about what your, what your, I, mean, I like to ask these questions now. So, what kind of clay do you like these days? Well, like I said, I usually use uh, um, low fire, so okay. I'm using the EM, I think 106 is okay. the terracotta. What do you like about that? I like the way it feels and the way it throws. I do um, use other clays, and it's interesting seeing how other clays behave, and you can do some things with some clays, but then other clays are not going to uh, cooperate. Right. So I do use the studio clay, whatever the gen generic studio clay is, like uh, 613, 613. 613 yeah. Um, and then I do use the PRNI, which is the black clay as well, which is, I would say, the most finicky clay that I work with. Um, finicky? I, yeah, because that I can't do, at least at this point, with the amount of water I use, more um, wide bowl pieces because okay. it'll tend to sag and just collapse when it's drying. Oh, interesting. Because I'm using too much water. I have to get uh -huh. the water ratio right to the right. technique that I'm using. So when I use that, I like working that clay, but I just don't make those kind of pieces. I do taller, straight pieces. Right. I get that. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so do you have a transfer that you like in particular now? Are you? I have. I've come up with the B. Uh, the B is nice. I like the B, and I've tried to create my own images using Adobe Illustrator, and I just don't okay. like those images as enough, uh, enough. The lines are too clean or some, you know, something is off. I like the uh, B that I have because uh, it's not very clean it looks rustic i yes. guess you could say vintagey yeah. yeah yeah so more organic i guess mm -hmm. and i like that quality and i've had trouble making my own um images that have that same kind of quality okay 
so this year we, to my delight, uh, we threw a members show mm -hmm. and sale called Undercurrents. Mm -hmm. And the, the beautiful thing to me was not so much the show and sale itself, but the people who came together to make mm -hmm. it happen. And you were one of them. So tell me how you got involved and what, and what you, what your, how you slotted your talent into the organization. Yeah, so um, I volunteered, of course, when we had our first meetings about Inseca, and I, I know about Inseca and its academic background, but um, I had never been involved or been to any of the uh, conferences. So when they talked about doing a member show here, I thought that would be very interesting. So I got involved, uh, Nino took the lead. Nina Caporale. Yes, mm -hmm. and I, I did, hadn't known her um, previous to that time, so it was nice to, to meet some new people in the studio right. who maybe have different schedules and are doing different kind of things. So it was just, what can I do to be involved? I really didn't want to be the lead person with all the responsibility that that entails. So um, I just kind of fit in where I could with the areas that I found interesting, which was more the setup and the, the uh, nuts and bolts of the show. Um, so I enjoyed working with other people uh, who have different backgrounds and were bringing different styles of pottery and throwing and artwork to the uh, show. So I really did enjoy that process. And it was a lot of work. Yeah. And a lot more work than I thought. And then I really wasn't clear on how the day-to-day the -day would be once the show opened with the hours and with how it, it um, kind of interacted with Inseca as a whole, but I think it worked out very well. And oh yeah. Yes. Were you here on that Thursday night for the opening? I was, but I was also here Monday and Tuesday where right. nothing right. was going where on, I, so because I just yeah. didn't know what to expect. What I found so wonderful about Thursday was just the sheer joyful energy mm -hmm. that was in the whole building, and it would float up the stairs, and you could hear it burbling up the stairs yep. as people came up, and it just felt like this is this is what this building needed to hear was all these happy voices yes you know reveling in the art of it all yeah uh, I thought it was a really it was a tremendous experiment that that succeeded wildly beyond anyone's expectations I think yeah and I think it was very validating for what we do totally. here at the studio and getting more people involved in clay totally and I think that so I think what I struggle with as a potter is that my work doesn't look like a professional full-time potter sometimes and I think um being open to people's different levels of where they are in their artwork was very validating for a lot of people. Very much so. That yeah. we had a real wide range of folks. We had, uh, you know, someone like Kendall Taylor who was relatively mm -hmm. new. We mm -hmm. had people like you and Nina who've been in it up to your elbows for a mm -hmm. long time. So it was a nice blend. It was a really nice uh, uh, amalgamation of everything that everyone brought to the table on it. It was really cool. Yep. So, um, so did you sell anything? I did. I sold, um, I think, five or six mugs and then a uh, honeypot as well. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so I was very happy with that. Very happy with mm -hmm. that. Uh, so where are you, what do you want to, what are you doing with your pottery now? What are you building now? Well, I have obviously in the past done smaller pieces. Hold um, on one second. Okay, thank you. So I have been working with smaller pieces and, and functional, like I said, mugs, honeypots, plates, platters. But now I really want to get into larger pieces and more um, pieces that are altered once they're already, you know, once you have the original piece. Um, for example, doing a teapot that's really just a cylinder, a wide cylinder that you close at the top and then punch holes through the, the middle to make handles out of. 
Uh, it's kind of hard to explain, wow. but I did make one of those, and I had that in the piece in the show right. for the um, the more the fancier show that we right. did. Right. Yes, the show show. The cur- yes, <laughs> the yes. curated show. Yeah, and then I bought a piece from a potter a long time ago, and I don't know who it is who made it, um, but making he turned a vol- a bowl, so a tall bowl that he altered and turned it into a pitcher. And um, I can look at it and see the steps that they that person took, and now I really want to um, copy that, and and get more creative in the pieces that I'm doing. Whereas I enjoy making the the mugs and the honey pots, uh, I just want to do bigger and more complicated pieces. Right. And then of course I'll be getting into the glazes, so understanding <laughs> how the glazes work right. and when to what to do to trust that the glazes are going to work out. Uh, because I do like the mixing of the glazes and the runny, runny streaky stuff. Yes, that's not so static. Right. So I do enjoy that a lot. Yeah, I love seeing all the mo- when you can do it right. You've got a lot of movement in it. It's really, really cool. Yes. Quite a treasure. Yes. Uh, what do you? Uh, how if someone were listening to this and they're like, how do I? I mean, you bring an academic advisor's uh, perspective to this task. And you teach a class once a week here at Core Clay, right? I do. And you teach on Monday nights. Yes. And so how does that how does teaching that class inform what you do as an advisor and vice versa? Um, I would say they are similar in that um, when I started teaching, it was definitely a journey in getting to the point where I know how I I know how to do things, but how to articulate it yeah. for another person to understand what I'm trying to do. So the the moments that I enjoy in teaching is when I have a student who struggles, and then when I work with them and I just find a different way of saying something or demonstrating something that it makes sense for them because they have that light bulb moment. Right. Um, and um, that is what I enjoy most about yes. teaching. I do have those same experiences um, with advising and getting students to understand what the policies are and how their decisions impact their journey as a student because the curriculum for nursing is pretty static. It doesn't change. There's no electives, you know, but sometimes students struggle and they they drop out or they stop out or they fail a class and we have to readjust how they're going to approach their curriculum so that they can get through it and be successful and take their licensure exam and pass and work as a professional nurse. So every, so even though that that curriculum is static, for a lot of students, you have to change it up and work with them right. to get it to work for their situation, right. for their life situation. Right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's an interesting mm-hmm. uh, uh, meshing together of those uh, of those tasks. Yeah. So you, without a doubt, have the best playlist in the studio. <laughs> so what are you listening to now? I am listening to the Grateful Dead Cornell 78 show, 77 show. That's my favorite. It's the classic I show. I can put that on repeat and just go for days on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. That that's uh, that's the amuse that's today's amusement, the alarm yes, the fire is. alarm going off. What do you like about what does that music help you do with the wheel or whatever task you're doing in the studio? Well, it really helps me um, just get into a zone where what I, one of the things I do like about pottery is that you can do pottery and not think about other things yeah. that are going on your li- in your life, and it's very zen in that you just need to focus on the now, right. just what you can do right now, um, and not think about all those other steps down the line. So that music really works with me, and it's just a perfect combination of 
focusing on the moment and what you can do right now. I have often wondered if if Jerry Garcia, like Seth Rogen, had gotten into ceramics, yes. I kind of feel like, given his painting abilities, uh-huh. he would have been a killer potter. He could have been, yes. Very creative, obviously. Incredible. Yes. He would. Have, I could see him making like giant things that, yes. you know, that would, yeah. It, it's funny because I've been a... a um, Clay is better than heroin. I think that's the lesson we draw from that, <laughs> It right? is very addicting, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I have been a, a beginning guitar player for 30 40 years. I mean, I've gotten to this point and I've not not progressed, but it's, it's all very creative and I just enjoy the creative process with clay and doing something different every time, even though I'm repeating a process, it's different every time, just like every solo is different. Um, When you listen to Grateful Dead, it's not repeating the exact same thing every time. So I I enjoy that process. Yeah, so do I. Well, Mike O'Neill, it's just so wonderful to have an opportunity to sit down and talk with you about what you do and your and your art. And it's uh, I treasure my very own Mike O'Neill Grateful Dead mug. <laughs> I drink from it. It it is a special thing for me, and I, I really uh, I'm glad to know you. Well, thank you for the opportunity to talk about my, my art. I appreciate it. My thank pleasure. You. My pleasure. Thank you. I always learn so much when I talk to all our wonderful artists here at Core Clay. If you haven't taken a class in a while and you'd like to refresh yourself, take Mike's wheel throwing class. As you can hear, he gives a lot to this art. Now, some studio notes. The Spring Pottery Fair, which we discussed in episode 23 with Tracy Eiliff of the Clay Alliance, is on Saturday, May 6th from 10 to 4 in East Walnut Hills. Even if you're not selling that day, be sure to stop by and support your brother and sister artists. You will no doubt find something lovely that you cannot live without. If nothing else, stop by our after party here at Core Clay for pizza and beer. Come and watch the Kentucky Derby with us and show us the cool stuff you found at Spring Fair. And remember that the first Friday kiln opening for May lands, yes, the day before Spring Fair, May the 5th. At the word of the cult pastor, we're going to burn a cone 5 reduction in the Big Bailey gas kiln. And you can join in the fun by getting your glazed wares weighed and on the shelves by Tuesday, May 2nd. We have a bunch of great artist interviews coming up here at Clay at our core potters, so set up an alert at wherever you get your podcasts and you can stay current. This is Ann Saker, always living in the hope that the kiln gods are smiling upon you. Talk to you next time. Thank you.